We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of 21 Questions, a Q&A style show covering whatever our subscribers feel like hearing about. 21 Questions begins now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of 21 Questions brought to you by the good people in our Discord. My name is Craig Stout. I have a very special guest with me today you've heard him on our defensive film breakdowns you hear him on one-on-one each week during the season it is former Chiefs defensive lineman Mike DeVito Mike my friend thank you for joining us for 21 questions Craig it's so great to see you man I I, you you know you bring up uh the defensive film room you bring up uh one-on-one like I it just reminded me that that's right around the corner now. I just, I'm is. so excited to get back oh, to know. it. We were talking before we hopped on about the sort of the dry period, which just like, man, <laughs> you know, like, let's get going. So yeah. uh, I am excited to be here, man. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. You know, it it, it has been great. We we started to get a little bit of camp news. Like, it feels like real football's right here, we're right man. There. You see it's the clips great. on Twitter and TikTok, yeah. all this stuff popping up. You see the stuff going on. Like, Juices are starting to get flowing again. It's starting to get really, really back into it again. So, yeah. So Is there gonna... anything in the world like this, Craig? Sorry, I didn't mean to no. cut you off. Is there anything like this? No, no I mean, it's not at all. Such a, I, I don't even know. It's such a... Uh, like the word is like magical. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Football is just incredible. Just and like I it. know that camp is not the most fun of time of year for the players. Like I realize that it's not, but it is absolutely one of the most fun times of year for fans. Like I yeah. am going to be just like everybody else. I'm going to be rewatching these little teeny tiny yeah. glimpses that we get that we don't know exactly what they're doing in the drill. We don't know right. what they're working on. I'm <laughs> overanalyzing something, you know, the way that DB right. flips his hips or something like that. When, right, right. You know, who knows? Dave Merritt's out there telling him, hey, do it this way just for this practice. And I'm, I'm right. looking at way too much. You know, it, it's right. fun though. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's great. My favorite is when we have our guys like Tucker and them behind the one-on-ones offensive defensive oh, line yeah. one-on-ones that's that's good footage yeah. oh, that kind I, of stuff I'm sure, I'm sure you're just rewind i tune out rewind. the world oh my kids are like dad 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 i'm like no no you go away i gotta watch one <laughs> all right well speaking of defensive linemen yeah we got we're, we're just going to start with this question it's the latest question that we got today in the kcsn discord but it is arguably going to be the biggest talking point for the next 
however long here. It's from our guy Tucker here over at KCSN. He says, what's your level of concern surrounding the Chris Jones deal following Adam Schefter's report that the Chiefs and Chris Jones are far apart on a deal and he's not reporting to camp? What do you think about that, Mike? You know, obviously I'm not privy to what's going on behind the scenes and how – how maybe volatile that situation is, but just from what I see and what I've been through and what I've seen before, um, I am not worried at all. These things get done when the pressure is on and there's no pressure on for either group right now. Kansas city wants to win games. You know, Chris wants to get paid and be out there playing with his team and need none of that matters until that first game's around the corner. And so, like I said this, I think it was on the last 21 questions, but I remember <laughs> the situation with, um, with Revis when I was with the jets in 2010. In fact, it was, it was played out on hard knocks. And so we got to see sort of behind the scenes, what that those negotiations were like. And you saw Rex cussing out um, Revis's agent and, you know, just the back and forth. I mean, that was really bad. And then you finish up, you know, the last episode of Hard Knocks and Revis is walking onto the field as we get ready to play the season. I mean, it just gets done when it's time to get done. Uh, and right now, there's just – I'm not surprised they're far apart because there's just no reason uh, for either of them to rush right now. There, there's no reason to to panic or uh, yeah. say, okay, you know, so – yeah, I'm not I'm not worried at all. No, no. I mean, I, I think the only worry would be, hey, Chris isn't there for some of the installs, but he's been in this system. He knows what it is. Like, yeah. it's not like a whole bunch of stuff is changing for Chris. Like no, it, it's he, exactly right. Line it's up exactly. at three tech, wreck the game. That's your exactly. <laughs> that's his job right exactly. now. So no, that's exactly know, right. Yeah. And you know what? Um to Craig is I think what I what I worry about when it comes to missing camp is more the skill guys than the big guys up front, because when that you know when that game turns on for those skill guys and they have to run further distances, right? You're running twenty; those guys are backpedaling 15, 20 yards, running these long routes. Those are the guys you worry about because you, now all of a sudden you haven't been doing anything that at the speed of what an NFL game is like until you know, like in Reba's situation, until right before, you know, that last week. And now he has to kick it in and get ready. And we go into whatever it was week one or week two, and he, you know, pulls his hammy. So, um, uh, so yeah. So, but the big guys up front, you know, Chris's body's tempered. He's, he's good. He's ready to go. He doesn't (laughs) need, he knows the defense. He knows what he's going to do. If Chris shows up on the Saturday before the first game, he's going to come out Sunday and dominate. So there's nothing to worry about there. I yeah I I'm I'm with Mike on this one I'm not concerned the the whole the quote from Schefter there is that both sides are far apart which isn't surprising yeah no no it doesn't surprise me at all he he should be asking for a lot I mean he he should like he should it's um but I I look at this and I say that's agent speak to me. Like, yeah, exactly. that, that super exactly. feels like agent speak to me. And, and I mean, you want to get that to Schefter. You know, yeah, if you know, you absolutely. know, that you want to get that, get that out. out there, get the yeah. public swell behind right. your client, all right. of that stuff. Like I right. totally, and this is just part of the game right here. If it were somebody that maybe hadn't been in the system as long, maybe we didn't know what the, you know, what the expectations were for the player and stuff like that. There might be a little bit more concern there. Chris Jones is getting paid a lot of money 
this yeah. year. His base no salary question. is huge this year. He will be there week one. It's not exactly. holding out into the season. So as far right. as I'm concerned, that's fine. Take, hey, St. Joe's hot. Don't. Right. <laughs> right. yeah. And you know what, too? It, I, it reminded me of a conversation I had with, when I was in Kansas City when I was playing. Mm-hmm. And, and I won't you know talk about who the people were. But I was privy to, I was given information on how Andy Reid deals with these negotiating things. Um, And he very much puts a premium on guys who don't bring the crap to the media, who don't bitch and moan, you know, who aren't the the ego guys that are going to go out there and make everything public and talk about bad about the organization. The guys that don't do that, he's going to make sure he takes care of. And so I just was thinking of that because I remember a situation where we had a guy like that who he didn't re-sign and we had another guy who was not like that and we did re-sign to big yeah. money. And so yeah. I mean, uh, it, Chris is one of those guys. He's not going to go to the media. He's not going to talk bad about the Chiefs. I mean, we've seen the exact opposite from him. So I know from, from you know, others that Andy Reid, that, that plays into, you know, the importance of getting him signed. So I know Andy Reid's pulling sure. for him. For sure. And on top of that, his agent wants to make sure he gets the maximum possible deal possible, not just for his percentage, but so that he can sign future clients. He exactly. Point to, exactly. Hey, I signed I signed a, a defensive lineman for 30 million APY. That's exactly. Hey, guess what? Come come, you know, sign up with me. You'll you'll right. get there. So it's more beyond Chris Jones. It's more beyond some of that stuff. But Mike and I, I think, are in alignment here. Not worried at all, uh, and I, I won't drag this on to Craig, but it did. It does make me think about football because it's such almost a paradox in the sense that it's the incredible team sport, right? It's like you sell out, you're with your guys, you do whatever you can for the guys on the field, the coaching staff, especially the Chiefs, who really embody that family mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, especially in the NFL, and it's carrying over. You know, it's falling out into college now too. It's very much a business. And so, you know, guys know it's not a long career and you have to make as much money as you can, uh, as fast as you can. And so, like, it's just interesting to see this play out because you see the sort of two worlds colliding. uh, And it's it's just interesting. Yeah, absolutely it is. All right. Diving in here, our guy Mike Denny asks a question. Congrats, or says, first of all, congrats on the new job, Big Mike. Oh, thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. That's awesome. Why don't you tell people a little bit about what you're doing right now for uh, Maine football? Yeah, so I'm up here at the University of Maine where I graduated from, and um, uh, I am currently their uh, director of player development. And uh, so, you know, it's two things that I love. I love the University of Maine. I was so blessed to be a part of this program. And this program gave me the tools and traits that I needed to excel at the next level. Um, And it's also great to get back into the program, be around football again. You know, Craig, we don't have to go down this road, but it was really hard for me when I retired. And I I missed football so much. And I, you know, all I really did football-wise was this with you guys. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I just couldn't be around it. And so I finally gotten to the point after retirement where I can be around the game again. And this this is a great way to do it. And uh, get to to give back to my alma mater and invest in the guys and watch them grow. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm really really enjoying it and very fortunate to be a part of that program. When I saw that that had happened, I went, "Oh, that's perfect! Like that that's that's absolutely perfect for Mike." Just, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The player development role is so unique, and in the NFL, yeah. it helped me so much. You know, a player development guy isn't really a coach. 
but he's not really a you know a second tier like he's not really a part of the organization like yeah. the business people or the GMs or anything like he's a unique role and it's usually a former player that you can go in and just sort of spill your guts to and talk about and he can relate to you and so um uh BJ Stabler when I was with the Chiefs and and Dave Zott when I was with the Jets those guys had a major impact in my career and my life and so now I'm trying to big that bring that back and be that guy for the University of Maine absolutely absolutely makes tons of sense Mike's question is did you ever get to give somebody their welcome to the NFL moment mm. can you think of one where maybe an offensive lineman you you really showed them it's like oh hey this is different now. <laughs> well, you mean in a game or in practice? Oh, either one. Either yeah. one. Well, I, I never thought of it like this, but I, I do remember Mitch Morris, who's obviously a fantastic player and, yes, you know, obviously sure. one of the best centers in the NFL. Him saying, in an, you know, to me, and then I think he said in an interview too about how, you know, going against me was kind of like a wake-up call for him and, and how it highlighted the difference between – college in the nfl and i think he had brought up poe in there as well um and so that you know i remember that time not now mitch you know obviously is a much better player than i could have ever hoped to be but but i did you know so i, I do remember that and it was funny you know it's hard, especially those young offensive linemen um coming into the game especially a center like mitch you're trying to learn the defense you're mm -hmm. trying to learn the new technique i mean it's just it's hard to come in there and then you know, a guy like that who has who's required to start right away. I don't know if you remember Mitch. He had to play, you know, he's the starting center right away. Mm -hmm. So he's going against the one. So he doesn't, you know, he's thrown to the wolves. <laughs> so you just feel bad for those guys because it's just there really is no way to succeed. You know what I mean? You're gonna get smoked. Right. Uh, and so that was, you know, one moment that I could remember. Yeah, big Mitch. I mean I, I think about that all the time when we talk about, you know, when we're going through the draft process and things like that. And it's just like, oh, you just plug that guy in and he's a 10-year starter. Like, I hear that all the time, man. Oh, yeah. And it's like, man, that that is tough. Mitch Morse is a guy that played in the SEC, you know, played right. against top competition for a long time. And, yeah, no, he really good center. Yeah. But he still had to have that adjustment. There is still right. that hurdle to clear that everybody has to clear it makes guys like creed humphrey and trey smith that just walk in and and play at that level that you're like wow, oh man that is crazy yeah craig not to beat this dead horse on here i think i've said it a million times but and even more so now when you look at the limited amount of time these young guys have to be in the building to be around the coaches to learn the playbook yep. i mean when i was doing otas 2007 my rookie year i was there 12 hours a day and that was days that we didn't have practice. I was there 12. We were there all day studying film. I had nine days off in the summer. We got done at like July 11th. And by July 19th, I was back, at, you know, for training camp. For, so like, and then you had two a days every day for the entire training camp. Like you had four preseason game. I mean, you just, what these young guys have to do, regardless of where they get drafted, to come in and get ready to play in the limited amount of time they have is really, really hard. And so, yeah. So to, you know, Trey and Creed, it's like, dude, what in the world? They're, that, they're, yeah, like all they're world, just built all different, world. man. Yeah. That's yeah, it. No yeah. It's, it, it's unbelievable. And it well, speaks to the leadership. It speaks to the leadership oh, yes. on that offensive line. It speaks to the leadership in Andy Heck and the coaches. Uh, Cause again, 
you know, you got to do whatever you can to get those guys ready. They're not just going to come in and even if as good as you could be, you know, with all the traits that they have, you're still not going to come in and be great until you learn the system. And they don't have a lot of time, like I said. And so it really takes it really can highlight how good the leaders are in that locker room and in that organization to get those guys ready right away. Absolutely. That's one of those things. Um, I, I, I did a series this offseason about Andy Heck and the way that he coaches his guys. And I spent a lot of time watching Andy Heck clinics, which are you know certainly different and all that. But he's showing all the drills. He's showing all the ways that he's trying to implement the in-game stuff. And just watching the the sheer breadth of what he's yeah. trying to go through and <laughs> install with these guys, it is insane that it's they incredible. are able to translate it and go forward and all of that. And it's year after year with Andy Heck, it. especially. It. It's just he just gets his guys ready and all the time. You could give him any. You, I could go in there right now, and he could figure out a way to make me successful oh, at offensive. Buddy, line. he's you, just that do you good. You want to play left tackle? Left tackle. That, money's you know, great right now, Mike. You know, I don't know <laughs> if I'm athletic enough to play left tackle. I probably play a guard in there. And, and you know, the way the league is turned, I I would have to play offensive line now. I just I would <laughs> nowhere near athletic enough to be on defense anywhere, buddy. I don't know, man. Some of these offensive linemen that are coming out, the, I know some of the athletic it's, profiles they got are insane too. They're like. All under like when I was coming out, the forty yard mm-hmm. dashes for linemen, everybody was five two, five three. Sure. You know, if you had any one person under to break five, you were like, "Wow, that's nuts." Now it's like everybody's flying. They're yes. like four, four eight, four nine, four eight. It's like, dude, how are you guys moving? So yeah, fast? yeah. And, and these are big boys. Yeah, your job is to block in a phone booth, and yeah. you're running a four eight forty. You know? opened yeah. up like Terminator. I, right? I said, unbelievable. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. crazy. Yeah. Well, we'll be back right after this break with more of your questions. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Do all of that stuff that we normally tell you to do. I am back here with big Mike DeVito. We got more of your questions. We just got done talking about some young offensive linemen. We we actually have a great question to transition on to. Matthew McNabb says, Thoughts on whether Chu Godrick might stick and what it would take. Chu Godrick, for those who do not know, is a 22-year-old offensive line prospect from Lagos, Nigeria, who was allocated to the Chiefs through the league's International Player Pathway Program. Now, super, super athlete is a guy that played along the defensive line for a little bit, making that transition over to offensive line, is really bulking up. I mean, I, I can kind of start with this one, Mike. I, I think this is a prime practice squad candidate. Like, I, I feel like this is a the type of swing that you would expect the Chiefs to take. One of those is like, bring him over. Get him in Andy Heck's hand. See if he can mold that kind of very loose lump of clay. He hadn't played a ton of football. So, mm. you know, you've got a lot to teach him here. This is a guy that maybe two or three years down the road, might project as a player that could make the roster, but because there's so much that you have to learn and bring up and all of that, it's going to take a while for a player like that to really put the right bulk on, put the right technique on tape and all of that. So I I think that it's probably a multi-year project if he gets into the NFL. Again, this is crazy hard to play this game. I mean, Mike can attest to that, but I don't think that we should place any sort of serious expectations on him in year one. Well, Craig, where was he? Where did he? So he grew up in Nigeria. He grew up in Nigeria. Yes. And where did he go to college? Did he play college? Um, Hang on. I'm sorry to put you on the spot. No, you're good. You're good. I I mean, he he played basketball, uh, was in the International Combine at Tottenham Hotspur, um, yeah, I, I, I know that but no he did official, some of his, no, like, I don't think he did anything official there as well. It looks like his pro day and some of the stuff was at university of South Florida. So, okay. well, I, you know, I, I'm not sure if he's got anything really going on from a collegiate standpoint. Yeah. Well, here's what I can tell you. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know his story personally. I think to, to even get the chance uh, and to get to where he's at, given his background, highlights the type of, you know, what type of player he is. I mean, clearly he's got something in the tank if he doesn't have any back, you know, any sort of history, mm-hmm. you know, with a Division One school or anything like that. And they're bringing him in. What I will say is this: I would imagine, growing up in Nigeria, that um, he's probably a tough sob. You know what I mean? I would imagine (laughs) he's, you know, I I would imagine he doesn't have some of the American, um, uh, how, how should I put this? I I would imagine he's probably not soft. I imagine he's probably. (laughs) And so, uh, uh, I think you're, I think it's a good bet when you're signing a guy who's got the physical attributes, who's also grew up in Nigeria. I have a feeling he's going to come in and kick some ass. So I'm, I'm rooting for him. That's a cool story. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great story. He switched from basketball to football last or in January of 2022 hadn't played it before then just yeah well the thing that's nice about that too well yeah Megan and somebody with with that limited of a background you you know Andy Heck doesn't have to worry about detoxing any bad habits 
right? So like right. This, oh, that's this true. Young man, yeah. This young man's coming in and he's going to learn the best right away. Uh, and, and so, you know, uh, I, I, I'm excited. I, I did not hear of this story until mm-hmm. you brought it up, Greg. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to look into it and to follow him because, uh, just given what you said, I'm, I'm rooting for him. That's really, really, oh, cool. yeah. Yeah. That's a fun camp story for sure. And I'm yeah. sure he's going to get some time and all of that. But again, as far as on field stuff, let the kid develop. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> he no, doesn't no. have a huge football background. Let him develop there. Matthew McNabb also asked a question here. Mike, who do you think is a former teammate of yours who fans don't realize how good they really were? Mm. <laughs> putting, you, putting you on the spot here. I mean, uh, yeah. that's a fantastic question. Um, and I'm assuming it's it's just Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, one thing that I always thought so like there's a lot I could say about this. I think Don Tari Poe was one of those guys. Uh, I know he I know people knew he was great. I think if Poe didn't hurt his back, uh, I think he would have went to the Pro Bowl every year. I mean, he just yeah. was unstoppable. Pete guys, people know that, but I think sometimes mm-hmm. it gets lost, especially now that we're so many years down the road. For one sure. thing I could never understand was some of the pushback to Glenn Dorsey who I didn't play with, but I basically replaced, and uh, Tyson Jackson. You know, these two guys get drafted very high, and I think that because of that, but they get drafted into a system, which back then, correct me if I'm wrong, Craig, was just a static 3-4. It was a very static 3-4. Right, wide base, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I I always watch those guys get hell for not getting as many sacks and this, that, and the other, but – as a player, I used to watch them and try to learn from them on film. When I was with the Jets, I was always watching Tyson and Glenn because their technique was flawless. Um, they were incredible players. In fact, when I came in, um, when I first got to Kansas City in 2013, I remember going to DJ and saying, hey, I'm going to try hard as hell to replicate what Glenn was doing because mm-hmm. I know he was keeping those guys off you. So I'm going to try hard as hell to do that too. Um, so I always thought that because of where they got drafted, you know, getting drafted so high – the expectations are always so high, especially it seems like the number is sacks, right? Like you need to yeah. put up a certain number of sacks and you're just not going to do that in that system. Um, but all. they were a great run stopping. I mean, they also could rush the passer too. Again, they just weren't in the system, but when it came to stopping the run, boy, they were fun to watch. Their technique was flawless, flawless. I, I remember because it was Clancy Pendergast when they first switched to the three four under Todd Haley, and he was just there for a year. And then it was Romeo, right. and it was, "Hey, you're going to fill this gap. You are two gapping. Like right. that, that's what you're doing first and foremost." And I just remember the conversations that went around that because I happened to be writing about the Chiefs at the time, and I remember right. all those conversations. And everybody's just, "Hey." Tyson Jackson sucks. And it's like, no, he doesn't. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing right now. Exactly. I mean, you look at DJ running free and making all these plays, and you're like, man, if we only had a defensive line that did something better, then the defense would be even better. It's like the entire reason why – not the entire reason. DJ's DJ. I don't want to take anything away from him. Right, but but exactly. He would say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, he would. You're creating that space. You're eating those blocks. You're doing that sort of thing. And because that guy was drafted number three overall and didn't have a bunch of sacks, people look at that and it's just like, that's a failure of a pick. No, it was a 3-4 defense. They needed a guy that could do that, and they took him. Exactly. I am – 
I am very personally, I, I have always thought this way leading up to the draft and being a draft guy, you know, you try and slot these guys in you're like, Oh, that's a reach. That's a, you know, that's what right. it is and stuff like that in the moment. You get to July, you know, two months later after the draft, guess what? Draft position doesn't matter anymore. Like exactly. it, it, it doesn't. It, if you can play, exactly. you can play. That's great. Like, That's great. It, 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 yeah. So That's I, exactly right. <laughs> I, I have always felt that way. Now all of a sudden, everybody's on a level playing field again. And for whatever reason, you know, I, I know whatever reason people just view those things differently. Glenn and Tyson wore that their entire careers as oh. just oh, they were drafted top five, and they never had an Aaron Donald like impact. And like, those weren't the players they were, they were asked to do completely different, completely things. So, different things. And they got, and I, I got to look up at their number, but Glenn was having 60 tackles a season. I mean, it was he just, was Glenn. Glenn was really good. And they just kept, you know, it, it, I know that they bulked him up a little bit more and they were asking him to two gap more than he did in college. Everybody remembers the player that he was in college when he was playing a lot more run one gap penetrative sort of scheme and the fact that he was drafted by this team, they switched to a 3-4, and they said, okay, buddy, eat blocks. And he did at a high right. level is a testament to the player that he is. Exactly. So, like, I'm looking at his stuff now, his stats are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. He played eight years, and he had 321 tackles. So just That's to put crazy. that in perspective, I played nine years, and I had 250 tackles. Um, you know, I mean, like this, these guys, I just, I, yeah, no. So yeah, to your point, I mean, I think those are two guys that were incredible that just didn't get the, you know, the, the people didn't understand how good they were. All right. Chief golden co out here. I assume that's golden Colorado right in my backyard here. Mike, who is the toughest interior offensive lineman you ever played against? Oh, this is, I love this question. Uh, Leonard Davis. For the giant, uh, for the not the Giants, the Cowboys. Yeah, so big letter Davis. If you ever look this guy up, I mean, he, was, you know, all pro guy. That that offensive line. So the two the two offensive lines that I played against in the NFL that I thought were the best were 2007 Cowboys in the 2012 um, uh, 49ers. Oh, that I played yeah. against. Yeah. I thought <laughs> um the Jet, you know, that both the Jets and the Chiefs also had incredible offensive lines when I was there. And I got very lucky because I got to get better playing against those guys all the time. But going against on Sunday, those two were the best. And Leonard Davis, you know, I what my sort of secret advantage on Sunday was that I was stronger than everybody. You know, coming out of college, I had a 700 pound squad, I had a 500 pound bench, I could hang clean. 400 pounds. I mean, I just, and I could do those things wet. Like it wasn't like the stuff you see on, you know, Twitter now, like these half ass <laughs> squats. I do really <laughs> squat heavy. And so my advantage was just, you could, I was just stronger than you. There was nothing you could do to move me out of the way or, and, but there were, there were a few guys that I went against that I just didn't know what to do because they could neutralize that strength. And Leonard Davis was one of them. He was just bigger and stronger and nastier than I was. And I just remember being a rookie thinking like, damn, I haven't seen this. And I yeah. hadn't really seen anything like that until the Niners in 2012. So, yeah, and it's interesting. Nowadays, they really – the game has changed so much. You don't see the type of guards that used to be in the league. One guy that's like this, Quentin Nelson, Trey is like that. But they're few and far between where you got these road graders that are just going to – come down and boy if you don't you know if your helmet's not on tight it's flying off you know who was um 
I could be talking about this all day. Chris Samuels for the for the um oh, for Washington. Buddy. Yeah. Ooh, that I would rather try to stop my my truck from going down <laughs> the highway than try to stop, you know, try to, you know, play against Chris Samuels. I mean, that dude was just an absolute it's funny. My wife's watched those housewives on, you know, the Bravo housewives stuff. Yeah. And he's on there because his uh-huh. wife is on there. And every time I see him, I'm like, oh, I can't. I got to go in there. I, I'm too nervous to watch it. You got like PTSD. <laughs> yeah, that's from... right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. That's yeah, funny. But... It's funny that you mentioned Leonard Davis and 2007 Cowboys and the 2012 Niners. He was a backup on that 2012 Niners I team. remember. Yeah. He came in. <laughs> He came in. I was so glad he wasn't starting. Not that the starters were were nasty too, but I remember he came into the game because they were killing us, and he he drove our nose tackle like ten yards off the ball and then Holy pancaked. Cow, we had a good man. nose tackle and pancaked him. And I just remember being like, "Oh, I can't. if I don't ever see that guy again, it'll be too soon." I mean, he just he was incredible, you know. And he had a long, you know, I think he had a fairly long career to be playing, you know playing that well for that long but uh 2001 to 2012 yeah that's 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 a 12 year career there and that's under the old cba that's the old correct you know like playing that long back then was really something special yeah um so yeah up front i mean he was he was really really tough i remember you know that first time firing off the ball and engaging with him and i couldn't even separate because he was just so strong you know who was in there larry allen was at that spot before he got there and it was very much like the same sort of thing you know (laughs) yeah those two yeah that's that's a pretty good replacement to turn around exactly yeah hey hey we're moving on from this guy we're gonna spend the second overall pick on this other dude and guess what he's just as good killer straight killer yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) all right we're gonna take our final break and we'll be back with more questions from mike devito Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Heading back to the questions, and I really like this one because I think that this is a a really good kind of line here. This is from our guy Nick Johnson says, who has more snaps this season? This year's first-round pick, Felix Anaduke Uzama, or Mike Dana, who's been in the system for a little while? What do you think, Mike? If you had to pick one right now, who'd you put money on? I feel like – so Uzama was what what – I mean, he's a first-round guy, so I he feel is like a first-round guy. Yes, he's gonna have that going for him, especially with Frank Jones out, because he's gonna fill in where Jones. I mean, he's he's an outside rusher type guy, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. He's. Um, I would imagine that they're gonna be they're gonna Kansas City gonna want him to be playing more, mm-hmm. so he's gonna get you know he's gonna get the push. They're gonna be trying to get him up the depth chart and getting reps. I mean, that's always how it is with a first-round pick. So. Um, I guess the safe bet uh, would be to say Uzama. The question is, 
for me, looking at those two is who's going to have the better reps when they're out there. And yeah, uh, that's, uh, that yeah. is the one. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, Ozama obviously has a lot of talent and he has uh, mm-hmm. all the, the physical attributes to be great. So, and not so I want him to do well, but Dana's just been, you know, he's always consistent and I've always liked watching him play. So, uh, I don't know. You know, it's a good, you know, it's a good question. I'm, I'm glad they're both on the defense. Those are two really yeah, good players. Yeah. Lucky to have, you know, I mean, you know, what? To, oh, I'm sorry. To, yeah, no, to Dana's point there, we got to talk to Joe Cullen a little earlier this season. Uh, you know, when at the, at the combine there, he, he stopped by and talked to BJ for a little while there. I don't think that more praise could have been heaped on Mike Dana by the Chiefs defensive line coach than yeah. there was in a little 40-minute interview. Like, he was right. just over the moon about the way that he approaches the game, does things, and all of that. Again, you know, talking about a fifth-round pick, guy that's just, you know, out there and he's busting his ass. Every right. single play, doing things exactly the way the coaches want and all of that, and that's how he earns his playtime there. But, you know, it, and maybe – Mike, we can elaborate on this a little bit. Some of that rotation is going to be set by the defensive line coach. So if you got a guy that you love, right. are you going to give him those reps? I mean, I'm, I, again, I'm sure that they're going to say, hey, listen, you got to get the first round pick out there. We got to right. have a good rotational plan for him so that he can develop. We can't just say, hey, sit your ass on the bench because we like this guy better. Right. But that being said, he certainly is going to have some input at, you know, as to who's playing where. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think the nice thing with having Dana too, and and going off of what um what the coaches have said about him, is he's a guy that obviously they trust, right? So yeah. there are situations where you want to let the rookie loose and let him go, and and this and that's and that's fine. But there also there are all those so those key situations where you need your most consistent guys in there to make sure that things are done the right way, and uh, and so. That, that's where you lead on a guy like Dana, who's been out there, who's played in playoff games, who's played in big games, who's been a part of this. And when, you know, when things get real and you need somebody, you know, who's going to be composed on that, you know, that fourth and one situation or that really important third down situation, you know, it's good to have a guy like that. You're like, yeah, he's, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to think twice about him going out there and playing Chiefs ball. You know, he's yeah. been there. He's done that. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes with and- the rookies, you yeah. get this emotional up and down, and sometimes those moments, even for the best of them, can be too big. So to have a guy like Dana, who's not going to be phased by those things, is is good to have. Yeah, see, it, it, Felix is going to be nice to have because, hey, um, Chiefs are up, you know, a couple scores, you know, in a pass-heavy offense. Get out there, just pin your ears back. Don't That's don't right. don't even really worry about playing the run. Just just go That's get them, it. man. You know, go get yeah. it. Get it. <laughs> That's ex- no, that's exactly right. Shoot, that's the advice I would tell that entire defense with the way the, the way the yeah, league no is kidding, and the way right? just don't worry about the run. Just go. Yeah, just them. just create get turnovers. Off. Give the ball back to Patrick, and let, let's see what happens, man. If yeah. a team can win running the football against Kansas City, that that be the uh, you know that's a miracle. Oh, man. That is yeah. an absolute miracle. You just can't absolutely. do it. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, uh, B Higgs asks you specifically here, because I don't have any knowledge for this, <laughs> what are the first things that a young defensive lineman needs to learn on and off the field as they enter the league and try and establish themselves? This oh. kind of goes right into your player, you know, your yeah. kind of new player role here. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. You know, I think, you're, so I, we're talking about young guys, right? That was the... That was the yeah, 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 yeah. Um, You know, the biggest... Um, difference for me 
going from college to the NFL was the um, the mental part of the game, right? The guys that I played with were really smart, and the guys you're playing against are really smart. And so you have to really learn how to study the game of football. And, you know, especially a guy like me coming from a Division One double A's in FCS school, um, you know, I wasn't in college, I wasn't too worried about studying what the offense was doing because I could just put my hand down and you couldn't stop me. You know what I mean? And I know a lot of these guys coming in the league, that was the case. They were the alpha. And so there was just, there's no stopping them. Uh, but now everybody's that. And so, you know, it took me a while to learn the game. And I remember getting opportunities to play in the middle of the, my first season and then actually getting pulled out because I was, you know, messing things up, whether it be the playbook or not playing the techniques correctly, not reading backfield sets, putting myself in the wrong spot. And so, you know, it was, I had to, that learning curve was tough and I had to, I, you know, I had to figure out how to study football. Um, and so I think that's, that's certainly one thing on the field that's going to be important, especially for, as a defensive lineman, you can, really set yourself up for success if you study opposing offenses you know th that's how i stayed in the league for so long it wasn't because i had some sort of uh, super ability it was just because i could put myself in the best situations and i knew I, a lot of times I, I it was i always took such pride when the offensive line would be like how do you know what's going on all the time you know I mean, how are you always in the best position in the best spot? You're moving when me move, you know, and it's just because I, I knew how to study the game. And that goes back to the point way back that we were talking about, about how, you know, that's something I learned during those 12 hour days during OTAs and all those two a days during training camp and all that stuff. Uh, you know, these young guys, it's, it's hard. You got to you got to pick that up quick and you don't have a lot of opportunities to do it. So so that would be something um, on the field, I think, off the field. The biggest learning curve for me coming from college to the NFL was how quickly you realized it was a business. Uh, I came in and I had a lot of great older guys that were in front of me, but I also knew at the end of the day, they were trying to put food on their table. And so if I, you know, did well or didn't do well, made the team and didn't make the team, you know, ultimately who gave a shit, you know what I mean? The, the coaches, mm -hmm. the players were trying to win on Sunday. Um, and, you know, when we win, we get paid and we can provide for our families. And that was a big difference coming out of, you know, in college, it's not like that. Um, now, once the season got going, things, you know, gel more, uh, a, a little bit more personally, especially within the position that you're competing to be a part of. But, you know, I came into a defense where there were a lot of older guys and everybody was worried about their job. And uh, I'm the new guy coming in. And it was, you know, it was quick to find out that it was like, you know, we're not going to be mean to you or anything, but we just don't care if you make it or don't make it. Uh, it we're it's a cold shoulder. It's just yeah. like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to give you the leg up. Yeah, that's right, Craig. And it was really cold. Um, it was. <laughs> yeah. I remember. And it, it's, it's now I see it as just how the you know it's probably sure. not just football. It's just the world when you get out of college is much colder than it was when you. But I just remember that being like, wow, you know, the, these guys can give a shit about you know what, right. what's going on with me. You know, so <laughs> right. yeah, no, so that that. Now, that being said, especially a defensive line in Kansas City, you're going in there with some older guys, established guys that are probably not as worried about losing their spots. And I can see them, you know, and especially with Kansas City's philosophy of, you know, that family atmosphere, you know, welcoming them with open arms. So it probably won't be like that. But you just want to learn how to, you know, big picture, you just want to learn how to carry yourself like a pro. You know, that was something, you know, that – when you have guys saying, oh, yeah, that, you know, he knows how to, he's a pro. He acts like a pro on and off the field. 
that's what you're trying to strive to, to be. And there are a lot of different things that go into that, but that that's what you're, you know, that's what you're going for. That's awesome. Come to Maine football. You can, you're going to get this all the time. You're going to get this kind of advice all the time. That's right. Yeah, and that's right. For the, for those of you who, you know, when he was talking about the on-field stuff and the shifts and, you know, all that stuff and identifying formations and everything like that, my favorite things about doing the defensive film breakdowns with you and DJ are starting a play and having you go, wait, 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 hold on, back it up. I, I, I want to see the formation before we get into the play. I want to see things before we start moving. Because And you and DJ will just sit there, like, I mean, seriously, guys, we, we could probably go for a full hour just before the snap with these two just kind of going back and forth. Here's how we'd read this. Here's how we do all this. And it's just natural to Craig, the mic. Yeah. Didn't you, didn't we have one of those? Didn't you do yes, one of those did. filmers? You said like, we did. I'm just going to, I have one play or two play. Mm -hmm. I want you, and we talked for an hour about the two plays. We did. I mean, yeah. And, and, and DJ's a great person to be with because he played the position, his position the same way, which was he studied the game. So like I, you know, constantly looking at not just backfield sets, but I was looking at down and distance, where we are in the field, where's the ball, which hashes it on. Um, uh, then we're getting into, okay, formations. What number tight end is where? Where are the wide receivers? Who's, you know, the, all that stuff played into it. But but the better you get at it, it sounds like a lot, but the better you get at it, it just you starts clicking. You're like, you're like a robot out there. You're like this AI just processing this stuff. <laughs> um, and what you find out is even with the most extravagant offenses, if you're good at that stuff, you can narrow things down to the point where you know it could possibly be one, two, maybe three plays if they go off script. And when that's the case, when you can line up and you know it's either this play or that play, I mean, you're just, it doesn't matter what your skill set is. You're going to, you're going to succeed because you're just going to be two steps ahead of everybody. And to have a linebacker like Derek, who I, I wish I could break it down the way he did, because not only could he break it down faster than me, but he was faster than me in real life. So I just got to, you know, I break it down. Like, oh, this is exactly what's going to happen. And then as I'm engaging with my offensive lineman, DJ's, DJ's just flying right, yeah. right around your shoulder. Oh, <laughs> oh, I, I was laughing about this. I can't remember when I talked about it, but like I went from having 50 and 60 tackle seasons in New York to mm -hmm. having like 20 and 30 tackle seasons <laughs> in Kansas City because you just, there was no way, there was no way you were going to beat those guys to the ball. And when would you say that you were a better player in New York or in Kansas City? Oh, that's a good question. I think I was the same player. Okay. Um, well, my first year, I sure. think sure, sure, sure. coming off yeah. the injury and then I set my, you know, I legitimately lost my starting job. Uh, I, I don't see myself doing that if I'm, you know, if I'm at my peak. Mm -hmm. um, granted, Jay Howard was really good though, too. Yeah, but I don't see was. myself leaving, yeah. losing. A, but, um, but yeah, that first year, yeah, I was just as good as I was in New York. Um, but I just was but not. But 20 like, tackles. 20 I tackles. Could, just not able yeah, to Yeah, 28 tackles. I could not keep up. <laughs> and that was really good. That also, that was with one 10 tackle game, 10 tackles against Oakland. So, like, really, it was like you take that game out and it was like 18 <laughs> tackles. You know, it just, but it really, it was, it was like, it was just no it way. It was the job, you though. Get, you're too that was the job. You're, you're yeah, making that was it job. easy for those guys. That's the job. That's that what was the gig that was. was the job. So, yeah. Yeah. But, Absolutely. It was also the job in New York, but everybody was like that in New York. Yeah. All of the everybody was big. We had Bart Scott and Dave Harris as our linebackers. Those guys could come up and play 
three technique. You know, I mean, they were big guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, in Kansas City, that was not the case. I mean, you really you had to beat DJ Tamba, Justin Poe, EB. Those guys were going to be there, and so you better be in a track stance, and you better hope the C's part, and it's just you in the back. And even then, you still might not get there. <laughs> that's that's incredible. <laughs> All right, Casey, Chris, I love this question. What are the best and the worst uniforms? In the AFC West, and we're we're opening this oh. up historically, so it could be throwbacks. It could be throwbacks. So I, I'll AFC let you go first, West. Mike. Okay, so in the AFC West, this is so hard, it, and you know I I hate saying anything but Kansas City for the good stuff, but I think sure. I think most people will agree that the Chargers uniforms, especially with the powdered baby blue. Chargers stuff. Those are the so best. Good. I think they're the best uniforms in the NFL. It's um, so good. They're yeah. so nice. We, um, one of the best players to ever come from Maine, played nine years with the Chargers. Named Stephen Cooper. He was an animal. And I was looking up photos for him. You know, when he came for like mm-hmm. the the media stuff. And and I so I saw those powder blue throwbacks. And I was just like, man, those are so sweet. It just it just looks. They make a guy like me look good out there. You know. So, <laughs> Uh, and then the worst uniforms, Denver. Denver sucks. Oh yeah, no, they they, they really were. I remember growing up when they made the transition, like when they they did the refresh or whatever that was. And I oh. even remember with the refresh, looking at it, going, "I those are ugly. I don't like Sorry. those." I just, uh, yeah, there's just yeah, nothing know. good about the Broncos. They, they have true. no redeeming qualities whatsoever. None. None like whatsoever. Russell Russell Wilson is like that's perfect like what happened last year with wilson like that's just that's the broncos man it's broncos football in one person like i just i love that yeah absolutely man absolutely all right uh let's see here we got we got a non-football one here from Wes. where does going to the store for ingredients for dinner getting back home and realizing you forgot one of the main ingredients where does that rank on the frustration meter (laughs) oh yeah that's a great question so with all the concussions that I've had, do you know how many times I go to the store? Oh, and, buddy. And I can't just, even imagine. Oh, okay. I, I, forget, I forget everything. And my wife gets fired up. But when you have three crazy kids that are all under 10 years old, I am looking forward to any reason to go for 20 <laughs> minutes and just get so like – Part of me is kind of happy that I get the opportunity to hop back in the car and go back out to the grocery store. Oh, forgot something. Sorry, babe. I'll be right back. You know, she's looking at me like, I'm just Buddy, you, man. You, you have only a handful of years left before you are going to have to take on like three jobs just to afford to feed those kids, man. That's if they're anything, if they're built like you at all, holy cow, man. I, I hope BJ, he, BJ better, he got to keep growing KCS. You guys are killing yeah, I, yeah, man. I need you guys like ESPN. I'm going to need a, I'm going to need a raise. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be some signing bonus and everything. <laughs> just, and it's just for food money for my kids. That's guys. it. That's like, it. They're, Come on, they're BJ. teenage boys. The, That's the it. you know, <laughs> Come on, man. absolutely. All right. Um, this is our last question for the day here. Casey from KC. What is the rationale for the defensive end position group being undervalued, illustrated by the fact that the group has one of the lowest franchise tag price increases over the last five years? Basically saying year over year, these other positions, like the market keeps going up and going up and going up. And the defensive end group, for whatever reason, 
every year we we say, oh, this guy's going to break the bank. He's going to go do this. And it yeah. doesn't really go up over the top anymore, certainly compared yeah. to, like, a defensive tackle. Like, yeah. Aaron Donald making $30 million, Chris Jones might be joining him soon. So yeah. what, what do you think the reasoning behind that is, Mike? Yeah, I can only speculate. I'm not, it's interesting. I've never – I hadn't heard that until now. Um, think back to 2014 when um, Justin Houston tied the sack record, right, mm -hmm. and got the $100 million contract and everything. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't make the playoffs that year, right? We were 9-7, and seven and we missed yeah. the – it was the only year Andy Reid's missed the playoffs. And he had 20 – you know, he had as you know, many sacks as anybody's had in an NFL Monster. season. So yeah, maybe it's just that the, you know, even the best out there don't change the game. Uh, I, I, but what's curious to me is why would the defensive tackle position be going up? Because it, I mean, maybe cause you're, I don't, yeah. This, I mean, Aaron Donald's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> no, well, that's true. Well, yeah. that could be too, you know, Craig, I mean, one or two guys set the market. And so yeah. if you have a guy in there that's, you know, like Aaron Donald, he be he benefits everybody in that position For because, sure. uh, you know, the he sets the market. And then, and I guess what, I guess ends don't have that right now, but it's, that's, it is a weird statistic. I mean, I think of those outside rush guys as, as really valuable on a defense. Super premium. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, you saw what the, the havoc that, Tom Bahali mm -hmm. and Justin Houston raise. I mean, and we see it these other places with um, Bosa, with the Bosa brothers. You got uh, TJ Watt. I mean, those guys are killers. They they make they change the game. So I, yeah, I, re I retract my my original statement. I'm not sure that I don't know, Craig. Well, what mean, do you think? To to your point here, you mentioned kind of you know like Justin Houston, 2014 yeah. does all of that. As it turns out, you guys missed the playoffs. Number one paid defensive end in the game is Miles Garrett playing for the Cleveland Browns. Again, yeah. not not a great franchise there. Right. Number two is Max Crosby. Again, right. not a great franchise. Great great players. Not taking right. anything away from great players. Not yeah. a great franchise there. Leonard Williams is number number three in annual value for the Giants. Yeah, yeah, again. Now, they seem to be on the upswing there a little bit, but, you know, it is but what still, it is. still, yeah. And, yeah, but still. And then fourth, you got – Vaughn playing for Buffalo and they had to they had to just outbid everybody for that right. guy. Now again, all game changers. Buffalo's obviously a very good football team too. But I mean, it's Cameron Jordan, it's Draymond Jones, it's Eric Armstead, Chandler Jones. But huh. those last guys that I mentioned don't make over $20 million yeah. per year. I mean, I Justin wonder, Houston was making that in 2014. Well, that's you know? what I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if that position maybe peaked. Um with the, with the numbers earlier than the other positions. So maybe it's like that position has been high and the other positions are catching up or maybe so, but, but, and it's going the opposite. Yep. That's an interesting, like that's an interesting thing to dive in on because yeah, you bring up a lot of good points and you're right. I, I just don't think they're going to, they, they just can't change the game. Maybe like GMs and teams originally thought they could when they were paying them 20 you know million dollars a year, but I don't know. I have conflicting thoughts on that. I'd be curious to ask, a GM, we gotta get a GM on here. Why okay. that's the case? Yeah. I, I'll just I'll just go through my Rolodex here. That's it. I'll, that's I'll pull it. up all the get Beach. Where's Beach? Yeah. Hey. Absolutely. Uh -huh. All right. That is gonna do it for twenty one questions. I thank Mike Devito for joining us. This was a lot of fun. I learned a lot, as I always do every time I talk to Mike Devito. I thank you all very much for watching. Please, again, like, share, subscribe, drop the five-star reviews on Apple or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening to this. For 
For Mike DeVito, I am Craig Stout. Be kind to each other, and we will catch you later. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.